Thanks for joining us for an episode of the Awe and Wonder podcast from the Special Education Technology Center. We're so excited today to have our special guest, Michelle Bishop. So we'll let Michelle introduce herself in a minute. I'm Sarah Kinsella. And I'm Brenda Del Monte. Michelle, why don't you introduce yourself to the few people who may not know who you are? <laughs> well, hi, everyone. And uh, thanks for having me. My name is Michelle Bishop. And uh, I have a uh, a, a little bit of a background in uh, I'm a special ed teacher first and foremost and sort of like through everything no matter what no matter technically what I'm doing or not doing I'm still a teacher um, and uh, I have a uh, an AAC and uh, access kind of background heavily uh, in terms of uh, the kinds of kids I've worked with in the past and um, and I'm now working uh, a lot with power mobility and access and integrating all of that stuff to you know their communication devices and their computers and their phones and their iPads and all those kinds of things. So um, I've sort of evolved through starting out as a special ed teacher and then, um, you know, access and technology has kind of been the thread uh, that held me uh, as I moved and changed in, in terms of my roles with the, with these kids. So when did you start special <laughs> teaching? Mm, uh, a long time ago. Are you um, over 20, I, over 30, something over, I, over 20 years ago, over 30 years ago? My first teaching job was 1984. Okay. So okay. approaching 40 years ago. <laughs> so yeah, the field um, has changed so much. It's so fun yes. to talk to you about yeah. how all of that's happened. Yeah. But, my, first, my first classroom had, I was, I was fancy that okay. my first classroom had not one, but two Apple computers yeah. that used the actual floppy disk. So the Ooh. five and a quarter, mm -hmm. they flopped, right? The real and, flop. Um, and then I got an Apple IIe that used the three and a half, right? Right. But, um, but I had an Echo speech synthesizer, which most all of you folks probably don't even have a clue. I I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah. But it was a little box and it had um, those wide sort of tape cables back in the day. They were called a serial cable and they were really flat and wide and long. And they plugged in into the back of the computer and it was a speaker, but it was a speech synthesizer and it, it oh. allowed text to speech. Um, wow. It was the first thing that you could get speech coming out uh, from the computer. And so it was called an echo speech synthesizer. And that would sit on top of the monitor or somewhere where the sound, it had a little volume knob on it. Um, and yeah. So I had one of those. And wow. Um, yeah. So you had people coming to see your classroom. <laughs> you were like, well, you know, I was in a small, I was in Southern Oregon and uh, not, a not, no, there's not a lot of folks traveling down there to, to see, you know, <laughs> But, but, you know, I was new and I was young and I was idealistic and I was going to change the world and, and these kids were, you know, going to do amazing things. And so, yeah, I was lucky. I didn't know it at the time, but I was lucky. I look back and, and know that, that having computers in my classroom was rare, um, right. you know, and I had um, a classroom of a very mixed bag. We, um, you know, back in the day, we had really bad names for how we categorized folks. Um, mm -hmm. And so I had, but I had a very multi <laughs> diagnosis driven core mm -hmm. classroom 
but it was, they were all kids who had certainly some level of, of cognitive um, delays or deficits as well as motor. Now, I mean, I, and I say that with like, uh, cause I had a one lovely young man uh, who was down syndrome um, and he was the sweetest thing ever. And, uh, and another young man who had CP, but walked and talked, but you know, he walked, he had a, some internal rotation in his hip and, you know, he had a bit of that CP speech, but you could understand him perfectly fine. And those were the first two kids that, that I had uh, that graduated high school. Um, oh. It was like, look at me. I'm like, awesome. I didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. Yet. I mean, you know, they, but yes, so those guys were in my class, but then I also had um, a, a, a young kid on the spectrum. I had three kids in wheelchairs who were non-speaking. I had um, another uh, young woman who had, you know, kind of a mishmash of, you know, a long list of things, but nothing, nothing one, but, but she, um, she was deaf and blind, uh, as well as a severe seizure disorder. And, you know, and so I had a kid who had a growth disorder and he was giant. I mean, giant, Mm -hmm. Um, a very rare disorder and the only one in the country who didn't speak. So, Mm -hmm. but so the majority of my class didn't talk with the exception of my two guys, you know, Stan and Charles who did. Um, But so that stuff became a big, thing you know like I just had to figure it out and and I sort of joke when I get around you know old folks at, at conferences and go remember the board maker symbols binders that there were two of them and they were like three or four inch binders and you would open them up and 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 peel and make copies of them and then you cut them and you glued them on your low-tech board for people to you know I was like and I'm in the staff room with my markers coloring them and so <laughs> colored because everything was black and white and the only thing was that they came on different colored paper like you know mm. so you put it on green paper because it was a verb and you put it on yellow paper because it was a pronoun and you put it right on, you know you did that kind of thing but but they were just black and white symbols they didn't have mm-hmm. any colors to them um and I you know shuffled on down to the staff room with my giant binders under my arm to, you know, cut out pictures for all my kids who couldn't talk. Yeah. Um, and just made it up. I, mean, I was like, well, they need to be able to tell me this. And they, you know, and I was just guessing and figuring out what language they needed and mm-hmm. have tons of support with that. I had one aide um, and me, you know, and eight kids and yeah, well, and it was high school. And my and so my strategy was, um, I instituted a peer, a peer tutoring program, and so every period, I had eight high school students in my class, in addition to the eight kids that I had that were mine. I had eight TAs basically is the only uh-huh. way to figure out how to do it. But they'd sign mm-hmm. up for my class, and they'd get assigned a student, and we'd have a week of training. Um, about how you worked with kids and how you, and they ran their program and each kid had a binder and they had, you know, things that they did and, you know, different, different kinds of activities. And then I had the peer tutors work with them. And then my aide and I could sort of manage them and toilet the ones that needed to be toileted. And I knew the rest of them were busy and engaged. And they were also having the social interaction with these other kids. So that then when they toddled off down to the lunchroom, they had kids to, to talk to and they had kids uh, there in the school that watched out for him. And I knew that when I sent, you know, Stan down to the office with the attendance, that if he got 
distracted and the, there's somebody meander out and go, Hey, aren't you supposed to get down to class? I know, I know who you are and I know where you belong. And, you yeah. know, so it, it just helped build a little bit of in, independence, but it also, um, it was a very, it was a very fun thing that it, it was amazing. The kids who were the peer tutors, I'd have teachers come to me and say, have you seen so-and-so he's, you know, skips my class every day. And I'm like, he's here in mine every day mm-hmm. he's here because his kid is waiting for him. Right. Yeah. This matters to him. And, and yeah. And so he's yeah. like, no, he's waiting for me in that classroom. I'm there and I don't, I don't ever miss it, but then he's always missed, you know, skipped social studies or something. And, and that mm-hmm. teacher would come to me and go, have you seen so-and-so? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was here. Sorry. He was here. You know? And then of course my kids would give him away and go, oh yeah, he was here. You know? And I'd be like, <laughs> so did you I- continue that program oh. for a while? Uh, as long as I was there in that school, I did. I don't know uh, if they did when I left, but yeah, mm-hmm. I did it for four years, I think. Mm-hmm. But it was it was great. I mean, I you just had some really interesting, interestingly enough, a lot of boys, mm-hmm. a lot of boys who mm-hmm. maybe weren't highly successful in their academic classes, but really somehow you know enjoyed coming in and really connecting with these kids and and mm-hmm. and. They were like my kids would go down to lunch and and the kids who could, I'd send them up to the lunch line and and the, and you'd see him like get up from a table. This is high school. So they had the round tables, you know, and they were all with their friends and stuff. And he'd get up and he'd go over and he'd get in line with with one of my kids and he'd love that through the line and send him over and he goes, He's he's got everything he needs. And I'm like, Thanks. That that's awesome. When I was in I'm high school, feeding somebody, you know, because yeah, I Yeah, great. You've got you know, yeah. So I I had that experience on the other end in high school and there was a student and, and we got to know each other at lunch and he had a notebook and he would write in it and I would talk with him. And, um, and I think that's so amazing. And you've described a lot of students that you had in that first class. Is there a particular student maybe in that class or later in your career that inspired you to kind of do more was kind of your, your Um, why? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I would say, yes, there was certainly a student then, um, in that first class. And again, you know, you're, you're young and you're like ready to tackle the world and you're going to be mm-hmm. forever and they can't live without you. And you have all of that baggage that you, it's not true, but, but that's, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, I had a, I had a young man in that classroom who, um, you know, cause you come out of school and you're like, this is, this is what I know. And this is what I do. I did my student teaching. Mm-hmm. I think I did my student teaching in a really wonderful program and it gave me a lot of a lot of those ideas and I, I could carry into my class and kind of just jump in with that group. Um that was, you know, that was the group of kids I wanted to work with. That that's what I that's where I wanted to be. I didn't want to be mm-hmm. a resource room teacher. That one that wasn't my interest, but um I did at some point do that, but um it only mm-hmm. confirmed the fact that that wasn't my interest. But um but I had a kid in in this class who uh who had, he was the kid with, he had a growth disorder. It was called Weber syndrome and um, super unusual, but, um, but he was really big and and there was an elementary program and then there was a high school program and he was really big in the elementary program, but young in the high school program, but they moved over because physically he was pretty daunting for like kindergartners. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he was taller than I'm 5'10 and he was taller than me and he was 13. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, he's a big guy. And, uh, but he uh, he tantrumed and he cried. Um, I mean, he was non-speaking, and if he didn't want to do something, he literally would just slowly 
sit down on the floor and then mm-hmm. cry and there's snot running and he's got tears and he's, you know, and he's mad, mm-hmm. not leaving the gym or he's not leaving the cafeteria or he's whatever. And he was, right. you know, and he had this behavior and they had lots of behavior plans and lots of these things that he came with. Um, and my issue was that's never going to fly in high school. Um, we've got kids changing classes and you can't sit down in the hallway and then right. have class change and have all these high school kids, you know, while you're pitching a fit and crying and snots. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, it was dramatic, you know, and it mm-hmm. was loud. It was loud because of course they put me in the, where all special ed classrooms uh, certainly were and probably still are in the industrial arts wing. So it's mm-hmm. very echoey and, you know, concrete floors and, you know, uh, so um, my, like my whole priority was you, we can't do this. <laughs> like right. this, this is never going to fly. And I'm, I'm there saying, no, no, we need to have this program at high school. These kids are going to be great. This is, you know, I'm going to have these periods of blah, 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 blah. And they're all like, okay. And then you've got this one and teachers going, I know yeah. we've never had these kids at our school before. <clears throat> and so my whole, my whole focus for his program, if you want to call it a program, because I was like, I, I don't care if we do anything, anything. I don't care. This, this is the one and only thing we are trying to fix right now is that you mm-hmm. cannot cry. This can't be the way you do this. And so um, I basically just, and he's, you know, he understood you. He's like, he's, he was a smart guy. I mean, he had certainly had cognitive challenges and things, but he, you know, you had, like you could talk to him and say, we can't cry in the hallway. And he'd be like, ah, yeah, yeah. And he, he could sign a little bit. And then, and then of course I'd say, okay, we're leaving the gym. It's PE's over. And ah, you know, and cry. And I'm like, remember we said we can't cry. And he's like, ah, you know, so I basically made this deal with him and I taught him cause he signed. And I, so I mm-hmm. taught him, um, five more minutes. So he could say five more minutes. Mm-hmm. And so if I said to him, we have to go, it's time to go. We're done with PE. Cause he loved gym, loved the gym, loved PE, loved to watch them, loved to watch the kids play. Um, he would always, I mean, APE was just a nightmare um, to get him out of there uh, or out of the cafeteria at lunch or out of the cafeteria or the hallways at break because he liked to watch them all and then they'd all go and then he'd be mad and and, oh. and he'd be like, oh, no, 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 you know, and cry and sit down and he's too big to pick up. He's too big to like, we're going. Um, mm-hmm. So I taught him five more minutes and said, if you tell me that, we will stay here. And But you can't cry. If you cry, all that's we're out, right? Like I could do anything about it, but I acted like I could pick him up and take him. And he was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So we get to the gym and we'd be like, it's you know, it's time to go. Remember, if you have something to tell me, but you can't cry. And he would go, oh, oh. Mm. okay, all right, we'll sit here for five minutes. So we'd sit there and then I'd say, okay, it's time to go. And he'd go, uh-huh. and I'd be like, mm, you know, and I'd let him do it like twice. And then I'd go, okay, this is the last one you have to agree last time. And then you have to come with me and he'd say, okay. And so then he'd do it and we'd wait the five minutes and then we'd, he'd get up and walk to class. And so over time, the cry, he just didn't cry anymore. And he would say okay. five more minutes and I could say, you know what, this time we're not going to be able to do five more minutes. 
So right. when we go to gym, we're not going to, because we have to get back here because so-and-so is coming for music and, and he'd be like, okay. And so then at the end I'd say, remember we have music, so we can't do five more minutes. And he'd be like, okay. But he was the kid that really helped me sort of, I don't know, sort of cement that whole behavior is communication. And mm-hmm. we like really get down to like, you know, like I said, he had star charts and all kinds of crap that he came with that clearly he was still crying. Did, for me. Um, yeah, it didn't matter for him. You know, but it, but you had to be willing to sort of go, I'm foregoing reading and I'm foregoing right. math and I'm foregoing following directions and I'm foregoing all those things because mm-hmm. this is bigger in the moment. Mm-hmm. Once I right. can get down, then we can get back to the other stuff. But you have to be willing. And then you had to be willing to say, I'm we'll sit here for five more minutes. And then when he did it again, we'll sit here for five more minutes. And then then you had to I, I learned very quickly that I had to put a cap on how many five more minutes we were going to do. Mm-hmm. But once I got him to talk to me, then you, I you scaffold it. Negotiate, right? But mm-hmm. you can negotiate with a crying child. <laughs> right. There's so many things I love about that story. Um, one is that um you're going to work on what matters. And this is what I know about you, Michelle, you're going to work on what matters. You are not, you're not tied to the 90. I think you were the one that told me you had an IEP one time that came with 90 goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not playing that game. Mm-hmm. Like you just aren't. And and I, it sounds like you never have, if this was your one, this story, <laughs> like, I think you were born this way, but um, I love, I love giving permission for special ed teachers right now to go, what is the, if I could change one thing, that would really impact um, the way people perceive this student, which is huge, the way others treat this student. If I could make one change on the yeah, but student, and I mean that, be like you're saying, well, everything was working, but this kid, right? This kid is, well, by he, the way, he, he's he probably derail acting. What you say? He derailed the whole classroom. Yeah. I mean, in that you had this kid who, is in your classroom having a, a, a crying, you know, moment and, and no one else can function either because mm-hmm. that's happening. And so, yeah. So what I was going to say was there's a little bit of, um, there's no crying in baseball, right? Like, you're just like, Hey, we don't, we don't do that here. So for me, so none of the behavior things are working, right? Because what you're not doing is, is giving him a voice in this, and, yeah. and you're, and you're not giving him an opportunity to have a voice and honor the voice. So he could say no, and he'd have a voice, but that's, you can't honor that because he has to move. He can't get out of the hallway. By the way, if you've ever been, even as your grown adult self right now, walking through passing time in high school, you could go down. I mean, you know, and if you're mm-hmm. already down, you certainly aren't going to get back up. So, I, I mean, the hallways in the high school are the scariest places um, to try to, uh, to navigate. So the fact that you were like, okay, I'm going to give him a voice and I'm going to give him, give him words that I can honor. Right. And so, and then he, we build rapport because he uses words and I honor it. And then he trusts me. That I'm that I'm going to believe him when he communicates, and that I'm going to honor what he has to say, which means that's more powerful than my behavior. Yeah, right. Right? And that's that's really my whole purpose was to to get him to a place where we can 
we can come to some agreement, right? But but you can't have an agreement between two people who aren't equal, right? And so right. like, that's not a fair agreement. Like I have all the power. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. this day and age, we all, you know, I have all the power and, and, you know, and, and he had been in an elementary environment where it's very much, I'm the adult, you're the child. And yeah. mm-hmm. now in a high school environment, and he's not very old. I mean, he's 13, he's still young, but, but he's big. And, uh, and those kinds of things were going to work against him. And and the, I think the the best part about that whole story was at the point that I left, um, he was probably the most popular kid in my classroom for mm-hmm. people who wanted to come in and work with him. So the, so, um, and the girls loved him. So <laughs> he always had girls like boys would pick. It was interesting. Boys would pick these other kids and at two of one the girls, gravitated to him and um and I took him swimming once a week and so my peer tutors came swimming too and so they got out and they missed oh, fun. A couple classes so they got to go and we would go swimming uh down at the Y and they were all in the pool uh, and with him and he could walk around and stuff and um and it was just it was a really it was a really nice sort of evolution of him and and what how he could have been perceived and how he could have been mm-hmm. heard because he was big and yeah were like he can't be hurting people and is he going to hurt somebody and, right, right. You know, um right. and he's and he's like this hugging you know gentle giant um and we had a we had a program where we then went to an elementary school um in a kindergarten class or no I think it was first grade uh, in a first grade class and and um now you know Brenda's going to laugh at this but um my kids did calendar uh cuz you know it was at the beginning when calendar was mm-hmm. brand math their way was brand new mm-hmm. and some of that stuff and the kindergarten or the first grade teacher I was a friend of mine and so my kids would come we'd take a bus and we'd go to that school and um my kids would lead their calendar um because they knew the routines and the not mm-hmm. but you know the, not a lot of the you know where they'd have to go off and and make you know math equations and stuff with beans, but but the calendar part, the days of the week, and the patterning, and the months, and the weather, right. and you know, and all that kind of stuff that that they did, and and he'd call on the kids, and um, and he would he would come in and he'd sit down, and again he's this big guy, and he'd come in and he'd sit down on the little chair, and he you know we'd have to lower him down because he he really couldn't, and so we'd get him right. down. And the little kids, he'd call them and they'd come up and they he'd pick them up and he, he they'd sit on his lap and then mm-hmm. they'd take the pointer and they'd point at the calendar and he'd he'd go, ah, ah you know, and then he'd mm-hmm. take the reds, put his hands on his head, and he'd go, mm-hmm. and then he'd like get off me. And they'd go back <laughs> and then he'd pick somebody else and they'd come up and sit and they'd do their thing and he'd go, yeah, yeah, and then he'd kiss their head. And he'd make them leave. I oh mean, my goodness! Sweet, you know. And they loved, they loved having those kids come in. And so here's this big, giant, gentle guy with these first graders, you know, who right. just amazing, you know. And they all, right. were, they all were really cool kids, you know. And um, and it was just a nice. I don't know. I liked the whole dynamic that that my kids were in a role of of leading and mentoring, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. you know that you know, they, they learned calendar and we were on to something else, but, but they could go and do that. And, and that was still okay. You know, cause they, yeah. instead of being the students that 
So, I mean, it right. sounds well, like one of your guiding principles through all, all of this was how to create a sense of belonging wherever kids are. So they belong in your classroom. They belong with um, general ed students. They belong as leaders. They're not always followers. And you're creating these opportunities that don't limit their their um, their definition, the definition of who they are. And it highlights what their what their skills were. It high, I mean, my kids were great at it. You know, they yeah. all wonder. I they didn't need me. I'd just sit back and they do it. I, and it was like, it, it became, it was like, they weren't learning the days of the week anymore. They knew them all. That, that wasn't mm-hmm. the point of it. Um, the point was to practice for when we went to the elementary school and you got to do calendar with Mrs. You know, so-and-so's class and, mm-hmm. uh, and how to, you know, how to tell kids that they did a good job and how to, you know, and, and yeah. it, it put them in a position that, that, you know, amongst their age peers, they weren't the leaders, they were the learners, mm-hmm. but amongst first graders, they knew as they much were, as they did. Yeah. Right? What, what are other guiding principles that have kind of driven you regardless of the advancement in technology? Mm. Mm. Well, it's funny because I, when I introduced myself, I said technology is the thread that that sort of holds everything together that I've done because I've, I've stayed very involved in technology. Mm-hmm. I would tell you that technology isn't the point. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. my guiding principle is it's not the technology. I While I'm going to bring a whole bunch of technology for you, um, right. you are the most important thing in the room. You, the teacher, the SLP, whoever you, whoever the adult is, I don't care what your role is. You're a teacher if you're working with children. So, you know, mm-hmm. you can, you can step aside and be a lofty speech pathologist and not the the lowly teacher. Uh, but you're all teachers. You're a PT, you're an OT. If you work with children, you're teaching them. You're teaching right. them to do things this way. You're teaching them how to stand. You're teaching them how to sit. You're teaching them how to roll over. You're teaching them how to talk. You're teaching them how to find something on a communication device. We're teaching. And if we can't, if we can't look at a skill, uh, let's just take a skill like literacy. You know, if we can't look at literacy and we can't say, well, they have to know the letters and they have to know sound syllable correspondence and they have to be able to sequence sounds and they have to be able to, you know, recognize and they have, and there's this huge, right, list of skills that are all contained in literacy. If you can't figure out how to teach that without technology, you're not going to teach it with technology. Technology mm. is not the teacher, you are. Technology no, for point. me is the, the frosting on the cake. You know, mm. like, like here I am with, with somebody and we're going to learn sight words because, you know, it's, it's at that, there was a, you know, there was phonics and then there was sight words. And then, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's what the flavor of the week. around Right. right? And so um, I had a student who, you know, we were working on sight words. And so he had flashcards and cards and, and he'd, you know, he'd come up and, and we'd put the cards down and he'd tell me what they were. And, and then he'd go back. And, and then I said, okay, go back and take all your flashcards and now make a sentence out of there. Like just make a sentence, you know, because he had enough to make. And then he'd come up and he'd put him up on the on the whiteboard, right? And I go, "What does that say?" And he'd read it, and then he'd go, and I go, "I'm I don't know who, who's that about." And then he'd go back in his cards, and then he'd put mm-hmm. I right, and I'd go, "Oh, mm-hmm. is it about you?" And he'd be like, oh, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," you know. And and it's like if we can't figure out how we we need to teach and support kids. And then if I can like go and, ooh, there's an app 
that'll let mm-hmm. them practice it or reinforce it or right. gain more independence with it. Right. That's but great. not take not take over the instruction. But that's not the instruction. Mm-hmm. So, right. so you can't be waiting for the technology or the access to the technology before you teach mm-hmm. reading, or writing or talking or speaking or mathing or anything, right? We mm-hmm. can't, it's, it isn't the technology as mm-hmm. like I said, as much as, as much as everything about my career is about technology, it isn't about technology. Yeah. Right? I, I love I that. Still teach reading without a computer. Right. Right. I love how you say it's the icing on the cake. Yeah, it's just it's like the frosting. It's the gravy, and I love the gravy. Who doesn't love gravy? <laughs> Who doesn't love frosting? Right. So, you know, access and figuring out switches and figuring out how they're going to get access to a computer is all really wonderful and important, and and we do need to do it. Um, but we can't. That can't be the gate. We can't be waiting at the gate until somebody figures the gate out. Right. Because years go by. Yeah. There are kids, there are students of mine who are 36 years old and still don't have great access. Mm-hmm. And if I waited to right. teach them how to read, they wouldn't be reading. Right. 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 But I think that goes to we decided that um that being able to track the data is the most important thing. And so if the access isn't reliable, then we can't, tra- we can't test the knowledge. And so well, it depends on what the knowledge is you're testing. Well, I know, but I'm thinking about the programs now that come out that be, their, their only way, their fidelity is embedded in the scripted instruction and how far that is from what you're talking about. And does that mean that we have, are we again? I think it means that we're possibly focusing on the wrong thing. We're focusing on the data. We're focusing on the and by the way, some of the time, some of these programs are amazing mm-hmm. if you're allowed to not do the script. <laughs> if you're allowed to teach and then use it as as a practice tool, use it use it as the test. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It, yeah, it can't be the instructor. You went to school. You have a master's degree. In theory, because you liked teaching kids mm-hmm. and right. you've become managers of people. Right. right. You know, like when I said I started, I had eight kids, you know, most of them needing lots of support. I had Full one assist. Eight, yeah. One, one aid, me and me and the lovely woman. That's mm-hmm. it. We did all the bathrooming, toothbrushing, you know, uh, lunch, feeding. And teaching, mm-hmm. right? And developing the content because in 1984, there wasn't content. Right. Wasn't right. Anything, you know, you just right. talk, you needed to teach, right? So I tried to develop all those things and it was me and her. I didn't manage her much. It was just me and her, right? We man- we did the kids, right? Now you've got, you know, 10 kids and eight aides and you spend more time managing the adults because those people are teaching the kids, you're not teaching the kids. And I, and this is just for me personally, I, it's probably a good reason why I'm not a classroom teacher today, I, that I couldn't do it. I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. allow it. I can't yeah. allow someone else to do something and me not know what you're doing. Uh, I can't, I'm not going to take responsibility for it. 
and I have responsibility for it. If I'm a classroom teacher, I have responsibility for every single thing that happens in that classroom, including when the speech pathologist comes in or the PT comes in. Right. I want to know what you're doing and what are you doing when you take them out? What are you working on? Because mm -hmm. I'll work on that when you're gone. Right. I yeah. Do that if I have to manage nine other people. And they're the ones teaching the kids and they're the ones deciding if the kids should move on or they're the ones. That, and it's like, but they didn't go to school to be a teacher. I did. And I'm, that's not what I want. That's not how I want to spend my day. I want to spend my day with those kids, figuring out what they need and making those decisions because that's what I'm good at. Um, and so that's a, that's a real hard dynamic today. When I, when I come into consultant classrooms or I come in to help out in a classroom um, to, to try to, you're almost trying to teach the aide how to be the teacher, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, some of them are great. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're not, you know, but well, yeah, well-intentioned and they're not, but, but I will, I look at the teacher who is at her desk or managing the one kid that's the behavioral kid. Right. So what messages do you have for the teacher in that type of situation? You're coming to consult in the classroom how to best use that paraeducator support or what, what do you do? Well, okay, of course it depends a bit on the kid and, 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 mm -hmm. and on the circumstances, but, but I really do try to, um, one, I always speak to the teacher, like you're here and this is what we're doing because you have a responsibility to know and then you have the responsibility. You should be the one saying, okay, paraeducator, move on to lesson two or whatever, you know, move, mm -hmm. move here now. Mm -hmm. um, uh, if they're the inclusion where they're out and then they're bringing the kid back and, and all the, all the decisions and stuff happen in classroom by the paraeducator, cause you're not with them. Um, then it's, it's the, the teacher and the other teacher that need to have a conversation and then right decision delivered to the paraeducator and it isn't about a hierarchy i'm not trying to i'm not trying to keep anybody down mm -hmm. but if you don't know there are things in theory that you ought to be able to intervene and go that's not a great learning style for my student so let's create this activity or this right. set of materials that will bet that should help support that so that you can keep going paraeducator in that classroom but mm -hmm. i you know, that's the, that's the background that I should be able to look at and go, you know what, this kid doesn't learn the best that way. And just holding up a piece of paper, that's the, you know, and you reading it to them may not be the best mm -hmm. method. So let's take that and let's break that out into sentence strips, or let's break that out into, you know, cards, or let's put that on a whiteboard with a, you know, with this around it, or let's create that in some technology that, that they can come back here and re-listen and re-listen and re-listen. But mm -hmm. if I don't know what's happening, then I can't do those interventions very easily. And I can't support right. that. And then you're going to have not great success. You know, it's, right. it's kind of a, you know, and then we start looking at, well, see, inclusion doesn't work. And, you know, and it's like, well, it doesn't work. There's lots of reasons why it doesn't work. I mean, Well, one of the things I appreciate you is that it, so many things, Michelle, and all of our sidebar conversations. But one of the things I appreciate about you is kind of your bravery in in um, they might be they might be um, not a behavior problem and they might we have, may have trained them to be passive learners and cooperate and um, maybe follow directions. And you'll call that out and be like, 
but that's not reading or, but that's not actually what the end game here, the Mm -hmm. end game isn't behavior. It really isn't. And the end game and the end game isn't compliance. And what are we even measuring when we are, we've, when we've gotten that, you know, I think you have a story about this where, where, you know, they're moving along with their reading goals. And so on paper, it kind of looks like they're, they can read because they're getting these eight out of 10 things because they're being compliant and they're, and they're touching the right thing and all this stuff. But, but you're, you're finding actually, I'm going to, um, I'm going to say the unpopular thing right now. And that is that, um, we, we're not focusing on the things that matter or we're measuring, we're not measuring, we're not measuring what's functional. Talk to us a little bit about the bravery that it is um, to go stop, even if it's working, it's working. And I'm air quoting that because what is working, right? Talk to us a little bit about how you, you just do that consistently in your career and not even as a classroom teacher anymore, even when you put your kid in a power wheelchair, it's like they, yeah, they can go straight. Is that the goal? Does it, how often do any of us even walk straight? Like, as you kind of call it and go, Hmm, this, this is not the end game here. So talk to us about that mindset, because I feel like there's, there's, there's toxic mindsets, there's systematic hangups, there's, um, limitations to the paperwork and we lose what matters. And then sometimes that means you have to say the hard brave thing, which is we're not focusing on what matters. Well, I'm often unpopular. There is, that is very true. (laughs) Um, well, you know, I, I get, I don't, you know, it's interesting. I don't think of it as brave. I guess I'm um, honest. I feel like, okay, yeah, yeah, brutally, painfully honest. Um, I, I guess when I when I look at kids, when I meet a child, um, for for whatever role I'm in, if it's if it's you know classroom kind of stuff, if it's communication, if it's um, power mobility, mm-hmm. if, whatever it is, when I meet them. Um, I am, I'm not exactly looking at them today. I'm looking at them in a year or, Mm. or where do I want you in five years from now? Mm -hmm. Where do I think that is? I don't know the path through the forest if I haven't been to the other side of the forest yet. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know where I'm going if I don't have sort of a picture okay. of that there. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a bit of like, I, I'm predicting the future and and I'm not, you know, I, I may be successful, I may not, but I can't create a path if I don't have an end in mind. Even if midway down the path, I go, ooh, not the end, the end's over here. Well, that's okay, right. but I'll make it over there. Right, but right. I don't have a path if I don't sort of see kind of where I, I want them to be. And so, you know, yeah, I had a student uh, and I think Brenda, it's the one you're talking about, but I had a student, Phil, and, and, and he is the 36 year old who still has really crappy access um, to this day. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a switch to save his life. If you're watching now, if he's alone in his room, he's amazing, you know, but he gets in front of anybody and there's just too much pressure and he, and he can't right. do it. Um, and yeah, he was tootling along through school and they said he was nine years old and he read at a fourth grade level and, um, he had, uh, they gave him cause he was a terrible scanner. He was a single switch mm-hmm. scanner. He was terrible at it. And they gave him four locations 
Mm. And everything was presented in a, a group of four, and he had an e-tran, you know, an IK's frame yeah. and locations, and they'd put up a um they put up the the word, you know, four mm-hmm. words, and then you know, CVC words, and then the picture. So they're all nouns, and they put up the picture of the bus, and then he's supposed to look right at the bus. And that is four choices. Yeah. Four choices. And he'd look, and then and then the teacher would go, Is that the one you wanted? And he'd go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they go, Bill, okay, be serious. This is bus. Where which word is bus? And so now that's eliminated. And then he'd look at it, he'd look at this one and he'd look at it and he'd put his eyes up and he just hold and eyes up was yes. Not eyes okay. up forever, by the way, but mm-hmm. eyes just eyes up was yes. And he'd just stare up at the ceiling. And then they'd go, Phil, be serious. Come on, really. Which one is it? Okay, now those are out. And he's down to 50-50 down here. And it, he would get it. And they would go, thank you. And they, because everyone knew that he was very, very smart. And he, and he is, he's incredibly bright. Um, And everybody, he had a very funny sense of humor. He was super sarcastic. And, um, and they all believed that he did know how to do these things. So they, he did so, right. And he Mm -hmm. had to play the game enough to fake his way through. So nobody knew. Um, and he came to me for access because he was a terrible scanner. Um, and he came to me more and more and more. And he had a lot of other things, you know, nobody could get him back in his chair except me. And, you know, he had, he had a lot of things anyway. So anyway, he's spending more time with me. And uh, and I finally said, uh, I said to him um, two things uh, to him. He's another one that, that really changed a lot of things for me. The first thing I said to him was, I have worked with you now for two years. And we have written IEP goals about access. You know, you're going to hit the switch within so many seconds with this much accuracy. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. um, and you, some days you're like 100%. Some minutes you're 100%. And other minutes you like, you can't function, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you're consistently inconsistent. That's the description. Consistently. Right. Um, and so I finally, but when he... And he was a typical single switch scanner with really bad body. He either hit early or hit just after. Mm-hmm, right. No timing. One yeah. late or one early. So people did the blank square in the front because he overhit in the beginning, which just made another space for him to miss hit in them. I'm not a fan of those, but anyway, people did things like, you know, it just, you know, nothing really worked. And so finally, but but he would scan, right? And he'd listen. And even if he would hit wrong. If it moved to the right one, he'd look up and he could mm-hmm. always look up correctly. Uh-huh. But he couldn't hit correctly if it was his head or his hand or his elbow. I mean, we had him everywhere. Um, but he's but he could, if I said, don't just tell me if I give you live voice scanning choices, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? That one. Okay, great. That's the one I went. But and we were it was awesome at that. And I said, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done talking about how bad you are at this. I'm done sitting in an IEP and telling everyone that you're inconsistent, that sometimes you're great and sometimes you're not. I'm done trying to explain why I still think you are super smart um, and that this doesn't represent you. I'm finished. I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but I'm tired of talking about it. And he was like, yes, yes, yes. Mm. So from this moment forward, you we're not writing any more access goals ever again I, I won't write one for you someone else can but but i'm not writing them um i will be your switch 
Hmm. Done. I'm done. Give me the switch. I vel- ripped the Velcro off his tray and I held it and I said, here we go. Let's go. Do your, mm-hmm. let's do your activity. You eyes up when you hear the one you want, I'll hit the switch. And so he was just like, <laughs> and he was all excited and his eyes were, and I said, all right, well, so calm yourself down because here right. we go. Start working. And this is how we're going to start working. So no more access. We're done. I'm your switch. I'm, I'm done talking about it. We're going to figure out something else. We are going to continue teaching you how to read and how to write and how to spell right. and how to talk and how to, you know, social studies and all the things that you need to learn because this so is a problem. This right. Is- we're not going to wait. That's four. And if, right? he's th- mm-hmm. if he's 36 and still not consistent, then he would have never received instruction if we'd waited to master access. We waited and we waited, right? Yeah. So when we started doing that, I he would do he would you know make his choices and mm-hmm. and then I and I said to him and he'd do the same thing he'd do his eyes up to the ceiling and just mm-hmm. stare and I said I said okay you don't get to get mad at me I don't think you can read mm. and he just stared at me and I said it's okay I don't care that you can't read in fact if you could read you don't need me. Like if you knew everything, you and I wouldn't be hanging out. Like it's mm-hmm. my job to teach you how to do stuff. And I don't think you know how to read. Will you be truthful with just me? Will you tell me the truth? And he said, yes. And I said, do you know the sounds that the letters make? If I showed you this letter, do you know what sound it makes? Mm-hmm. Stared at the ceiling and he just stared at it. And I said, Phil, I said, if, when you stare at the ceiling, I'm going to, I'm going to say that's, I don't know. It's not, yes, it's not, no, it's, I don't know. When you look up and look back at me, that's yes. And so I I said, so now when you stare at the ceiling, I'm going to say that's, I don't know. So do you know what this letter is? And he stared at the ceiling. I said, you don't know. And he, and then he said, yes. I said, okay, do you know any of them? And he said, yes. And I said, do you know the letters of your name? And he said, yes. And I said, okay. And I said, do you know the names of the letters? No. And I said, okay. And I said, so let's you and I learn to read. I will, I will teach you how to read, but you have to be truthful. You can't do the fake, fake stuff that you've been doing out in the classroom. And mm-hmm. he's like, yes. And so then came the hard conversation with mom and dad. And uh, by the way, the teachers who've been reporting in every right. Day that he could read, right that he couldn't um, and that he's telling you he can't and, mm-hmm. um, and his parents so I had his mom and dad or his dad was at school all the time because his dad brought him back and forth. So his dad came in and I talked to his dad and I said, so, and I had, had Phil was with us and I said, can, can I share with your dad what you and I talked about today? He said, yeah. So I explained to dad, we're not doing the switch anymore. I'm tired. And his dad said, thank God. And I was oh. like, and I said, and the second thing is, which, you know, I fear it may not be as good at news, but um, Phil can't read let alone at a fourth grade level. And he goes, yeah, we know. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. He goes, and I said, so he and I are going to start over and we're going to do, I'm going to do my best to teach him how to read. I don't know how far we'll get. I don't know how good I'm going to be at it. I don't know, but, but what we're doing isn't, he's not, that's just fake. So let's do mm-hmm. something. At least maybe it's real. Um, And his dad's like, Yes, please. Thank you very much. Please, please, please. And I said, okay. And so then he went home and then his mom called me that night at my house, called me and said, 
we've been waiting for somebody to figure it out. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Um, I wish you didn't have to wait or I wish you didn't feel like you had to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad we know. And and she's like, no, go for it. So then I had to have the meeting with the teachers. So I had the meeting with the teachers after I'd already talked to the parents because I knew that the parents were in support of it. And I and so then I talked to the teachers and they were like, well, fine, then you figure it out. I mean, they were not, it wasn't real happy. You know, they mm-hmm. weren't, I didn't win friends at that moment. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it was a small school. So we were, you know, there weren't a lot of us. Um, and so, yeah, that I didn't, go over super big, but they also, I think we're relieved to not have to figure it out because he's hard. I mean, right. You know, and again, access seemed to gate everything right. everything presented through technology. Um, and because his access was so bad, then we went to this e-tran and we were pretty sure he knew because he's so smart and he had such a high receptive vocabulary was mm-hmm. off the charts and absolutely at grade level, if not above uh, you could read him anything and ask him questions and he completely understood it. It was the expressive right. piece and the actual decoding of reading. Right. That it was just, you know, he couldn't do. So. But I just want to interject something here because it brings me back to a couple of conversations we've had so far in this series. And one of them is almost like, and I hate to say it because I know it's a catchphrase, but there is a little, there is some, um, well, I don't know what the phrase would be, but um discernment around presuming competence they're presuming since his receptive language is so high he they're presuming that he's playing with them and he's not looking at the right word they're presuming competence to a level of detriment in that i'm not going to teach you because you know this and you're and you're pulling my leg where the your approach was i'm presuming potential to read here and that's why he could be honest Mm-hmm. Right. So you're not presuming inability. No, you're presuming. I think you have potential to learn this. And by the way, I, I'm hoping I have potential to teach this to you. Right. Because the I onus is on, actually said, on me. I, don't how, I told him, I said, I don't know how far we're going to get. It's not even on you. Yeah. But, but and so I it's like, that is where um, I feel like there, there is an important distinction distinction between presuming competency to a detriment level and presuming potential, which which makes everybody stand up to the problem solving plate. Oh, so I think part I think part of the issue, a little bit about presuming competence is is also we we oh, there's I can't tell you how many people read a story, ask questions. And call that reading. Mm-hmm. Now, it's part of reading. It's right. It's listening comprehension. It's mm-hmm. not reading comprehension, right? And it's not reading. It's not decoding, right? Right. And so, because he was so high in these other things, and because it show a picture and ask a question, and he could look at that picture and make sense of it. Mm-hmm. and and draw inferences and you know he could do those things that there was this it's just like it was almost like they they opted for sight words rather than decoding and right. the sight words didn't exactly work for him but he could fake his way through it right, right. he kind of masked all the other because he was funny and because he kidded and he you know, mm-hmm. and he did that stuff. They all were like, come on, be serious. And then meanwhile, he's just like, not that one, not that one, not that one. Mm-hmm. And it was only a field of four. Mm-hmm. 
And because we don't know how to do it. Half the time he hit it on the second one. Right. It wasn't that he had to eliminate all of them to get to it. A lot of times he got it the first time. Yay. Like, good job, Phil. And then they'd move on and he'd be like, that was pure luck. You know, it's like. Right. And we don't, we don't know how to do um, that decoding. No. Kids who are not speaking. It's a really hard thing to sort of say, okay, you're a non-speaking kid. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you the letter M and I'm going to make the sound. And then somehow I need you to integrate that into your brain of how that feels and how that word feels and, right. you know, and, and where you sequence it. And if it's, you know, Matt and it's mm, at like what we began to see. So he learned the sounds and he learned the letters very quickly, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised. He's a, super smart. It's just and nobody he's had some years of experience in that. Right. Yeah. And no yeah. one really broke it, broke it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we learned those things. And then when we started spelling, um, what, what you were, what I was able to figure out f- with him and I used to, to, which I think is really valuable. And I don't think enough people do it, but I literally would um, record my sessions with him and I would go back and go, I asked him this. He said this, I asked him this. He said this, I confirmed. Did you mean this? He said, no. I said, oh, did you mean this then? Yes, I meant that, right? And I could look through all the times that I thought this is what his answer was, but it, he couldn't. Right. Um, and I could begin to, when we started spelling and writing, he would he would put letters out and I would say, okay, listen in your head, listen to the word in your head. And what's the first sound you hear, right? And then he'd say, it's, you know, it's... Yeah, you know, he'd do things like it's an A, and I and then I would say, is it an A, an A, or an A? Mm-hmm. Because it could be any of those sounds, and mm-hmm. and depending on what that sound was, dictated to some degree what the possible next letter might be. Right? If it's A, it isn't going to be a B. <laughs> right? You know, it's like typically it's going to be a short sound. So you you know, I could help him, you know, begin to to figure those things out. But so we would go through that process, and and through that process, I began, and you will see where he hears and isn't hearing. And what what was very evident was that he could get the first sound and the last sound, but the middle sounds were just a mush, mm-hmm. um, which like makes sense. And vowels were really hard. Right. right? Vowels really hard. Mm-hmm. Not unusual for anybody, but but right. it's, but then I could gear my instruction to match sure. it. But if I just was like constantly holding on flashcards going, which word's this and which word's that, I'm never going right. to know those things about it. Yeah, it knows how to write. I'm never going to know those things because he can only pick from the words I give him. And he had a receptive vocabulary that was giant. Right. right? That was never going to be enough for him. So I wanted him to spell if he could. Right. And so we kind of went down that path. And so we changed everything. We changed what his communication system was set up like. It was four pages of four. Um, I threw all that out. We have, uh, he has a, he has an, well, it's an accent basically as a PRC system. Um, mm-hmm. And he has still the same spelling boards he had when I made. So he has manual spelling boards. He has a notebook full of stories that um, his parents continue to write with him about places he goes and people he meets and funny things that happen and things that he wants them to put in the book. Um, and sometimes they're just phrases that he thinks are funny and then mm-hmm. he, hears, he you know, goes to a movie and he thinks it's a funny phrase and says, parents write it down. Um, I mean, he has amazing 
family support with all of that. But he uses all those things to talk from. Not just one thing, right? How does he access that accent? With two switches at his head. Okay. He a power you know what I'm thinking about Michelle though, is so much of what you're saying reminds me of things that where, where I would describe my role as winging it. Meaning I didn't read a book on it. Nobody went to class about this. I mean, if, if I didn't go to class to learn how to this, I, I know you didn't go to class to learn how to this. So it was like, it's like the super hard part at the beginning of, of learning a new skill. And by the way, that still happens to me, right? I'm still learning a new skill and I'm, and I'm fumbling through it and it, and I'm mad at myself because it took me six months to teach something because it took me five and a half months to figure out the way this kid learns. And the then when I go to mentor someone in this and they're like, what's the answer? Just tell me the right. answer. And, do I do? and when I think about mentorship and leaders and change makers in this whole series, what every single one of you talk about is like, and we didn't know anything then. So I just tried stuff. And all the things that we learned from all of the brave people that didn't know anything. So they just went ahead and tried all the things. And that is how we advanced the field forward because there was no book on this. And by the way, even though now there are books on this, it's still on the technology and it's still on a principle and it's still not not individual. It can't be. There's no book, no resource that's going to be out there that's going to be as individual as the what is required no. for teaching these complex kids. So what what is the, the you know when he would you know I think about switch access and all of the things that you've contributed to the field of switch access. Men speak. I mean the crazy detail in which you have reform you reformed all of that. I was in awe one time in a class with you, and and I don't even want to know the the 50 hours a week outside of work that you put into that. And for how many years you probably did that. So, um, and people don't even know, right. Cause now, now devices show up with two step scanning with auditory preview and frequency and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, how did, how did that ever happen? Somebody mm-hmm. sat down and goes, let's make the switch stuff easier. And what about frequency? And what about this? And let's try it. And then it fails. And what, what, what if we do this? And what if we do quadrants and what if we did? Right. And so where, what is the best way uh, as you um, counsel people now? Cause you're, you know, um, I come to you, I know that, I mean, you know, and it's like, how do you um, counsel people without giving them the answer because they need to go through the problem solving? Well, so I think all the books and all the research and all the wonderful stuff out there, Karen Erickson and, yeah. and you know everybody that's done all these wonderful things, um, the point, the point still is though, that the actual task of reading isn't different, mm-hmm. right? It's still decoding. It's still right. a B and it makes a B, uh, you know, and whatever's next to it sometimes has to do with what's in front of it and what's after it. And, and there's all right. those things, right? And, and so the task of reading, the task of writing, the task of speaking, that has never changed, mm-hmm. regardless of what we know. It is still the same as it was, yeah, forty whatever years ago when I started, right? So, so while we have new strategies and new things to lay on top, and and 
attempt, right. right? We have making words and we have all these wonderful, you know, ways to present stuff. We are still doing the same thing. It is right. still this letter, this sound and this sound, right? And right. They, together they make this whole sound. Um, it's the foundation. Yeah. Right. Talking is still, is still now, and this might be where I, I differ a little bit, but communication is, is for me about a relationship. That's its primary mm-hmm. job. That's its singular function for me. When I approach a kid, it's about you and me and you and me understanding each other. Yes. It's not I'm about sure. complete sentences. It's not about no. punctuation. It's not it's, about yeah. all the little words. It's not I, about don't, I don't know what you're going to say. It's not about yeah. the words in the right order. It's mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care. I don't care if it's a word here and a, and a look over there, you know, and an elbow bump. And then I'm staring at you and I'm supposed to be, you wanted me, what, because it's behind you in your backpack and it's, you know, you want to, you know, however we get there. Accepting all forms of communication and telling you something you don't already know. You and me and I understand you. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then my job is one to like figure that out. Like we have to, you and me have to get that down. So me and Bill had to get it down. Yeah. I don't, I, this I don't, is yes, this is no, this is, I don't know. We cool. Gonna be, I don't know. This yeah. is working out these rules. And we, and I did create rules for him and I gave him two pronouns in the first set of, he had 40 words and I gave him two pronouns, I and you, and you meant anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I meant him. And that was the rule. Mm-hmm. If you pick I, it's about you. If you pick you, it's not necessarily about me. It's about me or anyone else. And I will ask you, because I'm not going to give you all this pronouns taking up that valuable space because you, we're going 40. Right. right? And yeah. so, so we made these rules and we made this whole process so that he and I could talk. And then my job was to take all of that mishmashy, messy stuff and try to put it into something. And for him, it was layers of things that someone else could use. Mm-hmm. And he was in charge of which of those layers he used with any one person at any given time, because he's the only one that knows what it's like to sit in his body. He's mm-hmm. the only one that knows I can't hit a switch right now. All I can do is yes or no. Yeah. He's the only one that knows if that person, if he thinks that person can give him live voice scanning choices and ever give him a choice that he actually wants. Right, you know, right. he makes those evaluations and those judgments. You're the, it, it's you, it's you're the one, right. right? Not my, I want you to do it this way. And I right. get really frustrated when I hear people say, you should have said it with your talker. I'm going to, I'm going to pretend like I didn't understand you. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. with your talker no mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm no I I understood that yeah. let's let's get deeper and you can tell me with your talker right but I understood right. that I'm not going to invalidate whatever it is I don't care what it is um right I think the perception is that if it's hard and it's if it's hard then I must be doing it wrong if it's not traditional then I must not be high, holding them to the higher standard and again we're still measuring the wrong thing if it's hard it's because it's hard because decoding's hard by the way by the way, it's hard. All of it's hard. When All you of it's hard. So it's communication. It's hard, period. So if you didn't sign up for hard work, you signed up for the wrong kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You're hard. And then, and then um, that, that you're, um, you know, we will say total communication, right? We'll we throw that out as SLP. So we take, we accept total communication. And then we're like, no, he didn't say I want before that. You know, it was like, why else did he bring up watermelon when you're, when you have a plate of it, right? Like, like, so we, we don't, we're, it's like, we've decided to, to, if a verbal child said watermelon, would we make them say, I want watermelon? That's what I'm always coming back to too. Would we make a verbal kid 
do it a different way or would we accept right. the gesture? You know, we would accept all this stuff. So I think the other thing is, is that mm -hmm. um, people, um, people expect it to be easier. If, I must be doing it wrong if it's hard. And that's just not true. If it's hard, then you're all right on track. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you haven't mastered anything in two years, you're also right on track. <laughs> right. And, and we don't need people to if prove. You get, if you got a little bit, right. Like, like somebody just, just, I just went and, and saw somebody up in, uh, in the Seattle area, in fact. Um, and she's working with a, like a, a very hard kid, like a Phil, a very, very hard kid. And we talked about some stuff and, um, we had a, another friend of mine who uh, is in a chair and is in non-speaking and, and, you know, has lots of tone, but drives a power chair and she came in to meet her mm -hmm. and then, um, and they're not really doing a lot of communication. They're still trying to figure things out. And her access is like really complicated and really hard and not ideal, not really where we really want it to be. Like she points with her foot and that's not going to mm -hmm. be long-term, probably the best choice, but it's, it's what she does at the moment. Um, and we're trying to shape that into some other things. But my friend came in and and met her and met her family. And, and then I suggested that... Um, that they do some choices with her and she could text my friend drew um and that drew was really good about responding right back you know and then i looked at drew and she's like yeah, she'd do it and i'm like okay so maybe that's a good activity for her because she's excited and you know and because trying to find real activities and not these yeah ones and and you mm -hmm. know free and all that yeah, stuff meaningful like respectful yeah get a flip get whatever you wherever the words are and start mm -hmm. asking her to put some together and let yeah. her just mm -hmm. so i get this email literally like the next day because she went back and started the next day and proceeded to text message drew and i got this email that was um like and it was like it was perfect and it's like this big right but it's a uh, it's she chose four words out of her flip book. Just she just let her pick four words. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I, I said to her, I said, you can ask her if she wants to, you know, take one word and make it a sentence or are all these words one thought, you know, and figure that stuff out. And then ask mm -hmm. her, do you want to send it just like you or do you want me to help you edit it so that it's in, you know, some different form? And Love those questions. She chose mm -hmm. these four words and well, it was like three words and a phrase. Um, it, and, and the words were funny, silly, love, I like it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And when she asked her, do you want me to help you with funny, silly to put those into a, a sentence or something that you, cause you know, we were laughing and, and, and it, there were some moments that were very funny and we were all laughing and, and, uh, and the little girl said, no, no. Send it as is. Yeah. And I'm like, this is exactly, exactly that little moment that you just had with her is what I live for. Like mm -hmm. I'll work all year for that moment, mm -hmm. right? And, and everything that I've done to get to that moment, I don't care how long it took, was worth it. Because mm -hmm. that is the most genuine, real moment that you've had with her and that she's having with Drew and that you helped her have Right. And that will, that will change how you two go from here forward. If right. you, you hold on to some of those 
little like, right. do you want, because I like, who doesn't know what funny, silly love, I like it, it meant. Yeah. We all, yeah. And really that meant. It's just and like your interaction with that student who was going to sit down and, and said five more minutes. It's that was your your moment to then scaffold and, and then and that's fine. Go forward together. Right. And so yeah, yeah, it's those moments that that you know I read it and was like goosebumpy, like that's that's everything for me. Mm-hmm. I am I live for those moments. And if I mm-hmm. can walk away and if I just spend six months to get there, it's worth it. That's six months of it. Because guess what? If I never got there that moment is real right and 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 the rest of the stuff if you don't if you don't ever have anything real what are we well, i don't know why we're doing it. yeah if, you, if you never yeah. if you never get there what's the point of any of it you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. i can get on a call with phil and i can talk to him through the computer because i know his alphabet board that he uses because i made it i know i remember what the 40 words are I know when he looks behind him that he want, there's something in his book and I can yell through the thing and say, dad, get the book out. He wants something. Um, and he can talk to me to this day because mm-hmm. we know those things. He and I set those up. Those are real. And he knows that I know them. Therefore, he'll use them. He doesn't right. use them with people that he doesn't think knows them. Right. And so those are real moments that that allow him. And, and I used to get criticized and I, you know, always. I can't tell you how many times I heard well, he only does it with you. So it doesn't count. He only does mm. it with, well, he doesn't do it with me. I don't know that he knows his letters. I don't care if you don't know that he knows his letters. I know he knows his letters. So stop right. testing him on his letters and move on. And have some of those authentic moments that we're having, which is why Rely we're doing on that. Build that rapport with him. Yeah. Let him know that you get it, that you get him and he can trust you and you can move on and you'll see that he knows mm-hmm. his letters. But no, we reprove every time they get a new teacher or a new SLP. Well, I don't know that he knows all the verbs. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back and we're going to work on verbs, but he's already worked on verbs for three years. Well, right. but I, not with me. Well, so does the fifth grade teacher redo the fourth grade curriculum every year? She trusts that the fourth grade teacher taught in fourth grade and that they're ready for fifth grade. They don't mm-hmm. go back and do fourth grade again. Cause I never saw them do the missions in California. You know, it's like, that's not what happens. And but we in special ed seem to think that we have to make our kids reprove themselves over and over and over. And it's not fair. And it already takes long. And if we do that, we're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. So Michelle, I feel like we could go on with you for so much longer. You have so many amazing stories and so many stories about students because you are student focused, student centered. And you've made impact in our field. You've made impact with students. That really shows with these stories that are personal. You know about them. You're not just there to show up and then leave. And um, it's all about that authentic communication and that authentic work you're talking about. And I just so appreciate you sharing this. But before we wrap up, um, we wanted to ask, what is something people might not know about you that you want to share? Maybe you have a special project you're working on or some interest area? Hmm. And it's a, it's a tricky question. I don't, I like Legos. My dream job was to be a master Lego builder. Like really? I, that would be the best job ever. For those well, listening and- in, she has a whole Hogwarts Lego set behind her. Yes. And over there is- I have the Millennium Falcon. So, yeah. Okay. But she's she's actually a thing. very good artist. And people don't know that about you. 
I am a painter. I do paint uh, and draw and yeah. Yeah. And you paint canvas and you paint shoes. And I do <laughs> shoes. I did paint some shoes. I painted some Converse high tops for my friend with uh, her dogs, one dog on each side. So, um, and I painted hair for my niece that uh, with her university and her sorority. So the university on one side and the logo of the university and then her sorority on the other side. And How fun. Um, yeah. Artsy farty, you know, you have to get out of the very, I don't know, I'm a Virgo, so I'm very linear. I like things, you know, alphabetical and A and then B and then C. And so I break things down, which might be why it's easy for me to break skills down. I just let mm -hmm. it I'm take this down. I'm going to start here and then we're going to go here, here. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm very that kind of a thinker. And so um, art and painting and things like that uh, are not. <laughs> There's nothing yeah. like so, I mean, I do think that, uh, you know, communication devices and, and figuring those things out for me is, is creative. I, I do feel yeah. like, like, um, that I have to be really creative and I have to really think outside the box, even though I'm yeah. linear, but I think outside mm -hmm. the box figure out how to like incorporate and make all those things that for Philip work together. Um, but it's a very different creative outlet than, than painting and, uh, you know, and things like that. And so, yeah, I just go down and turn on a lot of music really loud and, and in many cases, just throw paint at the canvas, uh, which mm -hmm. lands wherever, which there's a part of me that's like, <gasps> and then there's a part of me that's like, oh, I like it. You know, that sounds I, fun. I it's like very it. I tried, to I tried to fling it right there, but it didn't go there. And then I was like, darn. And then I was like, oh, but I like it over there better. So, yeah, so it's good. Love it. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank yeah. you for having me. It was fun. Yes. Wonderful conversation. Love, love, love talking to you. I learn something every time. Thank you. You're welcome.